All right, well, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the Hospital ISM Report on Business Teleconference. I'm Rosemary Goupil, and we are going to begin here shortly. I'm joined by Christina uh, Cahill. Christina, are you able to hear me okay this morning? Yes, Rosemary, you sound great. Wonderful, thank you. And Nancy, have you joined us this morning? Yes, I have, Rosemary. Very good. All right. Well, we have a few announcements before we do get started. Today's overview is being presented by Nancy LeMaster, Chair of the Hospital ISM Business Survey Committee. As a reminder, our call today is being recorded, and this is a live teleconference. We ask that everyone please mute your line until the end of the call to prevent any background noise. The next hospital PMI release of the February report will be released on Thursday, March 7th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And I would like to thank everyone for joining the Institute for Supply Management today for the release of the Hospital ISM Report on Business. Are there any reporters on the line that know um, this morning that they are going to have a, a question for Nancy? Hi, Rosemary. This is Dan Zeiger. I'll have a question. Very good. Thank you, Dan. Um, anyone else? Sounds good. Thank you, Paul. Um, and I think somebody else just joined us. Yeah, hi, this is Mike Schiller. Good morning, Mike. And um, you're, are you going to have a question for Nancy when she completes her overview as well? Uh, yeah, my, my goal here is to listen to Nancy's report. I, Perfect. I made a question for her. That sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining. Well, it does look like everyone has joined us, so I will now turn the call over to Nancy LeMaster, Chair of the Hospital ISM Business Survey Committee. Um, Nancy, please go ahead with your overview of this month's report. Um, thank you, Rosemary. So, yeah, let's take a look at how the first month of the year turned out. So the PMI for January was 61.5. That was down only 1% from December at 62.5. Um, we saw in the comments um, that there was some mention of some reduction in elective surgery, some increase in respiratory, um, driving that business activity, which came in at 66.5. That was down 6.5% um, from the prior month. But new orders were strong at 64 versus 64.5, so that stayed pretty, pretty solid. Um, backlog of orders were down a little bit at 55.5. So I kind of went back and looked at our history kind of thinking, well, what kind of January was this? Because um, in the hospital business, a lot of times we see a pretty big drop in volume in January as insurance resets and that kind of thing. But actually, um, since we started keeping data in um, April of 2018, this was the second highest PMI for January uh, at 61.5. The only time it was higher was in January of 2022 when it came in at 64.1. Now, if you remember, December and January, December of uh, 2021, was when we had that big uh, influx of COVID, which when we saw the mutation of it, and we had another really heavy round of hospitalizations. So to come in at 61.5, with respiratory conditions being more what I would call kind of, quote, normal, really does indicate that they had quite a bit of elective volume during the month. Um, it may have been less than December, which was, you know, kind of always a blockbuster. And probably the mix was a little heavier in the respiratory, but it was still a very strong month. Um, when you looked pre-COVID, you know, January's were in the 52 to 55 range. So 61.5 should have been a good 
good month for for the hospitals. So we had the volume, and you know, in terms of employment, it did drop, but it stayed in the growing category of 51. Now, part of that drop, what we um, saw in the comments was that you know we've talked about before that you know this the trends are never even, um, and your small and your rural hospitals are always struggle much more than your large systems. And we saw in the comments about uh, some rural clinics closing um, and layoffs and that type of thing in some some sectors. Um, some of the larger systems we've talked to have maintained pretty good volumes and have not seen as much, what I would say, planned reduction of staff. But that factored into that 51. So again, in some areas, we're still having trouble attracting the correct kind of talent, the clinical talent they need. And in other cases, they are doing a little bit of right-sizing based on their geography and what's going on. But overall, it looks like, you know, we probably had the, uh, the staff to manage the volume. There wasn't uh, any comments about reduced capacity due to staffing type issues. Um, in terms of supply chain, so what's going on there? So we saw supply deliveries um, slowing at a faster rate, 64.5, uh, 7%, 7 uh, points worse than in December. A lot of comments about concerns about supply deliveries, particularly going forward. Um, the war impact on the Red Sea, uh, reduced shipping through the Suez Canal, in some cases closures of the Mexico border, a lot of supplies come in through that. But I think what we're also gonna see, I would imagine in the next month, is gonna be concerns about California because of all the storms, what's that doing to the ports of California and supplies coming in from there. So I think that that's a real watch area. Um, what we saw in terms of the inventories, we actually saw inventories contracting this month for the first time um, in quite a few months um, at 47.5. So the idea is you're, you're seeing some burn off here. Now, some of that I think was planned. We saw that in the comments. Um, but it's kind of a, a juxtaposition because when we look at inventory sentiment, they're saying it's still hot. So um, we're going to have to see how that plays out. That may be a timing issue where they feel like they have contracted their inventories, but maybe they have more contraction to do. Um, so we'll kind of keep an eye on that. We do know from the comments that we're still seeing shortages and disruptions. We've seen a lot of issues with needles and syringes and sterile water. Um, I think I mentioned last month we had the warning letter from the FDA about syringes imported from China uh, with a potential safety issue with particulate matter in those. So that's that's another watch area, and that's been kind of a persistent challenge in in that um, that arena. So uh, we're seeing the inventories still too high, but we saw a contraction this month. A lot of concern about the supplier deliveries. Our touchless orders still held at growing, uh, but just barely, 50.5. And generally, you know, the more disruption substitution we have, uh, the the lower the rate of touchless orders. We have to have manual intervention to manage those substitutions. Pricing continues to be, um, a, you know, an ongoing challenge. I, I did a quick look at the uh, Kaufman Hall Profitability Index for Hospitals. Um, they had their year-end report, and you know, 
basically um, 23 was much better than 24. Um, they, margins were in the positive arena. They started going positive in March of 23. But if you averaged out the year, they just came in at 1.3%. Certainly better than uh, losing, but that's not very high. Now, that's an average, which means that some came in much higher, but many still continue to lose money. So there's a lot of pressure on profitability going on right now, um, and where we're not seeing any relief yet in the prices, they all increased with a pretty significant jump. Every time we have that, that dialogue of maybe we're going down when we get into the 50s, it seems like they come back um, with a, a bang the next month. So prices in general were up 7%, came in at 65 Pharmaceuticals up 5 they came in at 61 um, Supplies up 4 61.5 So we're not seeing any relief in the pricing area for hospitals at this point um, at all. So concern about deliveries, high prices, uh, not a good story there. In terms of uh, case mix index, that bumped up like I thought it would because we had such a strong January at 57. May go down a little bit next month because we've got a higher mix of respiratory, but we did have pretty good volume. And our days payable outstanding stayed the same at 52.5. Um, and then our technology spend, you know, we talk about that all the time in terms of the profitability uh, being um, compromised, but yet it was a really strong month, up four at 57. So, you know, we've had five months of growth in that area, and um, people, uh, hospitals seem to be continuing to invest strategically. Um, so that's kind of where we are with that. So I went through that kind of fast. I'll slow down and, and give Dan a chance to ask a question. Hi, Nancy. Good morning. Um, yeah, um, it, the comments about rural hospitals this month really stood out. And if you do a Google News search for rural hospitals, as you know, most of the hits that you're going to get are not good. Um, could, could you just talk about that dynamic and any reason why um, you think there might have been a few more comments about that? And just discuss that dynamic in general, um, some of the struggles that those facilities are having and how it might show up in the data. Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, the payer mix for in rural areas tends to be heavily government, Medicare, Medicaid, and, and you know, they have a lot of, of poverty in those areas. And we think of poverty as being an urban issue, but that's it's not limited to that. So you start out with a payer mix that's not um, ideal. And then if you think about the type of patients that are cared for in the rural areas, you know, you don't see as much of the, you know, what tends to be profitable elective volumes. So they're not doing a lot of the cardiac and orthopedic uh, procedures out there. Those oftentimes go into bigger hospitals. So, you know, they're doing a lot of medicine, of pneumonias, of you know, in some cases, cancer treatment of things that, um, you know, they don't always get as high of a case mix index. So, you know, they've kind of got the double whammy. They, they have a lot of challenges with uh, payer and the revenue side. Then on the expense side, uh, again, it depends, you know, in, in the cases that where rural hospitals are part of 
bigger systems, they have more of a support system. So they can take advantage of the pricing um, and the uh, scale, uh, economic scale of the, of the bigger hospitals. If they're not part of that, then again, many times the group purchasing organizations help fill that. And you'll find that rural hospitals tend to do a very good job of maximizing that relationship because of necessity. Um, but they're being faced with a lot of pressures on that side, as well as labor. So in many cases, you know, it's difficult to recruit. Sometimes they have to move to um, either agency type labor or contract out for certain things. I know uh, often different radiology specialists are, are very difficult to, to come by. And so if they need an MRI or a CT tech, you know, they, they're often paying uh, a service to do that because they can't actually physically employ people to live it out in those communities. So they just have a compounding impact of a high cost profile and a relatively low revenue profile um, that makes it really difficult. Um, and in some cases, you know, the government has definitely uh, stepped up with some special programs um, for critical access hospitals where they get actually a percent of charge payment or they get some extra funding to help keep those hospitals open. Um, but it, it's always going to be a struggle for them. And then real quick, um, the prices index you mentioned, um, the increases there, um, and obviously that's been an issue for all three of our reports this month, and I know Tim mentioned in his call the other day that part of that increase was the result of some new pricing agreements coming in, and I know that you've talked in the past the the uh, beginning of the year is always um, uh, an increase in prices as, as suppliers or pharmaceuticals reset, you know, their their prices. How much of, can you any way to gauge how much of a factor that the new agreements were in the increase, and how much was just you know the inflation concerns that people continue to have? Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, in, in, in the pricing, you know, we're always kind of looking at, um, you know, both volume and, and price per unit. And it, there's no real data that tells us what is what. But I think from experience, we do know pharmaceuticals in particular uh, increase prices in January. They often increase them in July as well. Um, in, in many cases, hospitals are buying off a contract. And so that protects them somewhat. And those contracts are usually staggered on the supply side. Um, and so, you know, again, probably some of it is due to contracts coming up and being renewed. Um, others, it's just the mix of products that they're, they're buying. So uh, pressure continues from all sides. Great, thank you. Paul, did you have a question? Thank you, Nancy. Um, one month in, uh, into 2024, I was wondering if, um, your attitude has changed from what you were talking about last month. Are things looking better or looking worse? Well, one month doesn't make a trend. My CFO boss used to always tell me over and over. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we talked about very cautious optimism. Um, all of the, I just got the reports from the orthopedic and cardiac implant companies uh, report outs on the on Wall Street. And, you know, they're ending the year and giving their projections. And, you know, their projections remain pretty positive in terms of volume, that 
there is demand out there. Dan and I have talked about before whether or not, you know, the post-COVID world is simply going to be different and maybe people won't seek as much treatment, you know, they'll rethink certain things. You know, it remains to be seen that the, if you believe the research done by the, the manufacturers, they would say that they, they seek growth in that space going into 2024. I think that um, uh, Mike Schiller runs a healthcare resource um, council that talks about a lot of healthcare related things and supplies and shortages, et cetera. And we ask a little bit about their uh, view going forward. Um, I, I would say, you know, there might have been a few more glasses half empty than glasses half full. I think very cautious in terms of uh, going into 24 because of the uh, price pressures. There's nothing that would suggest that we're going to get much, the hospitals will get much relief in terms of Medicare payments as the government is struggling with budgets. Um, we know during an election year, nothing usually ever gets done, but so that means that probably won't be anything that hurts them particularly, but there won't be anything that helps them. So, um, yeah, the profitability issue and how to meet that while providing service is going to be the, the kind of overarching. And I think you're going to see the supply chain put under a lot of pressure to uh, reduce costs. And the concern is that we get amnesia and forget about all the things we went through when we had the supply disruptions and we start going after you know, the very lowest, save two pennies and, you know, don't look at the viability and the supply long term. So at least I think we'll have a better conversation than we've had in past years about that being short sighted. Um, and hopefully as we continue to have better dialogue between providers and suppliers that we're actually going to see um, some increased transparency, maybe better planning this year. That's that's kind of my my hope at this point, Paul, I don't have any evidence behind it other than uh, people are kind of saying the right words about talking with each other and about sharing data and things like that. So um, I'm going to remain on the very cautious side of optimistic about 2024. Mike, did you have a question? I do. Yeah. Uh, an observation and uh, a question here. You talked about this January patient volumes being very strong. There was a report I just read this morning in Becker's regarding Massachusetts and the fact that the state has declared um, several regions or have listed them as high risk due to limited hospital capacity. So they've got a tier system that they put in place during COVID. Tier four is the highest level. Uh, they're at tier three right now. And so they're talking about elective procedures. So a lot of what you have shared this morning, you know, I just read in that report, you did talk about inventory levels being a bit lower, right? Maybe a bit of a sell-off in some of the on-hand inventory levels. I'm just wondering, was there anything in the in the reports that lead to a, co a correlation between the higher volumes and that reduction in inventory levels? And we didn't get a lot of comments about the inventory. Um, you know, the comments we did get were suggested it was more planned um, or more, you know, that they continue to actively manage their inventory more uh, closely than they were doing, you know, during COVID. Obviously, it was just get more, get more, get more. And I think now they're being more um, cognizant of the levels and trying to even them out more. Um, I would also, again, probably my opinion, not anything from the comment 
se, but I think the cost pressures are causing them to be more careful about building inventories, using what they can. Um, and if we did, as the comments did suggest, see more respiratory, that would help burn down those PPE inventories. Uh, whereas the inventory for the elective procedures, they tend to bring in more just in time for the procedure. So it be a combination. Absolutely. Great. Thanks for that. Uh, you did talk about the costs. I just wanted to make sure that I, I heard the information correctly. Prices, you said, increased 7% and pharma 5%, or was it 7 points and 5 points? Um, it, it's points. I'm sorry. Points. Yeah. Okay. So we okay. went from uh, 56 <laughs> to 61 in uh, pharma, overall from 58 to 65, the index okay. did. Yeah, and you talked about the staggered contracts, right? And we know that a lot of times the commodity contracts are on three-year cycles. So I'm just wondering, uh, any sense on where we're at in that cycle? Uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't say personally that we're at the at the beginning, but I would say we're probably mid-cycle within that three-year term for these contracts. So we could still see some more increases coming with that last third. But I don't know if there's anything in the report or just anything that you've heard through your network to support that no i really haven't i really haven't and then the last thing any any comments regarding add-on cost we're hearing that uh, especially in the medical gas sector uh, add-on costs are becoming a, a significant portion of the invoice and in one case there was a very large health system that shared some information with me over the last six months of last year they had accrued $1.3 million in add-on costs. Now, they're they're fighting those costs, and they're not paying. They've been successful in uh, eliminating or reducing a lot of those costs. But in one case, add-on costs represented 30% of the invoice total, and in another case, they represented over 40% of the invoice total. So I'm not sure if you've heard anything in the report, but might be something to keep an eye on as we look at uh, other areas that we're seeing cost increases yeah. come into play uh, beyond just product pricing. Yep. Yeah, I think the only comments related to that that I've seen over over time have been uh, shipping surcharges. Have been mentioned several times and an increase in, in shipping surcharges. So, yeah, keep an eye on out for that. Again, uh, kind of feels like the deck is stacked against them sometimes, right? You know, if they can't get it in price, they get it in some other way. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks, man. Thanks, Nancy. No problem. So I, I think if we summed up the month, we really had strong volume for January. Um, the the mix a little heavier on the respiratory side, but but still, I think probably a pretty good mix. Uh, February is going to be really fascinating to see if you kind of look back at the history. Um, you know, February's usually been a pretty soft month. So we'll see if we can kind of keep the strength of volume going. That's definitely going to help the hospitals. Um, concerned that we're going to see more disruption in the supply chain uh, before it gets smoother. But um, we'll see what next month brings, and we'll have two data points with which to project 2024. So, Rosemary, I'll give it back to you. All right. Well, thank you, Nancy. Really great overview, and um, definitely be curious to see what happens, like you said, next month. And thank you, everyone, for joining us this morning, and we will talk to you again next month. Thank you. Bye, -bye. Bye everybody.